Falls Chance Ranch by Ranger and Rolf, Chapter 14, Part 2. It was the biggest of all the bedrooms he had seen in the house, the large double bed neatly made, the corner shelves stacked with photographs, the dressing table dusted, a sheet of paper had fallen from the dresser, half underneath it on polished floorboards. Dale stooped to pick it up and gently put it back, catching sight of a slanted, looped hand and yellowed, brittle paper. P. You know where I'll be. Always. D. The brusque meanings behind it were manifold. Dale wondered briefly if this was the last note David had left, the one Paul had told him about, or if this was just a simple message years older that meant David planned to be late for dinner. There was no way to tell. He paused behind the corner shelves of silvered photographs behind glass. Rows of them. One of the two had loved to keep the faces of loved ones about them. Dale, who had never personalized room in this way, or kept something near him simply because he loved to look at it, found himself awed and slightly jealous of someone who could do it so easily and confidently. There were so many faces in the pictures, which must have spanned fifty years. Black and white pictures more than colored ones. Most of the faces were unknown, but searching the rows, Dale found one that had caught his eye before. A group of men at a fence somewhere, at the back of which stood Flynn and Jasper, side by side, probably in their early twenties. Neither of them looked very much different, but they stood shoulder to shoulder as they leaned against the fence rail. There were several that showed a younger Paul, much slimmer, with darker, longer hair, but the same sweet smile. One of Riley, thin and gangly, and with the bony angularity of late adolescence. Several of Jerry in various groups, although at twenty had looked very different, and it was only by his eyes and smile that Dale recognized him. The larger picture by the bed showed the two men in middle age, side by side on the porch, and Dale looked for some time at their faces. Philip and David. David was the taller by a few inches. Lighter built, and even in the picture, restless hands and long legs were obvious in how he lounged against the rail. Philip was more powerfully built and stood square on his feet, an arm around David's hips, his gaze directed at the camera. His eyes almost reached out and physically touched. Dale shivered a little, feeling the hairs on his neck prickle, and smiled at himself, making himself look away. At the back of one of the shelves stood a very old picture blurrier with age than the newer ones, and apparently in a steep street rather than the familiar rough turf of the ranch. Dale gently picked it up to look more closely at the three men stood outside a pub sign on the brick street in heavy sweaters and boots. All young men, perhaps his own age. Two were completely unfamiliar. The third, vivid eyes in crashing water. Dale felt his breath catch sharply in his chest. The shock of hair, the length of the legs, the restless way of standing, the smile that was so warm it reached out and caught you. If there was any color to the picture, the hair would be a dark chestnut, and the eyes would be blue. David! Dear God, I saw David! Dale dropped down onto the side of the bed, picture still in his hands, and looked sharply around the room. Just an empty, peaceful bedroom. But it was David in the picture, and David he had seen by the river, warning him back from the cougar, meeting him at the falls, the very heart of the ranch. David! It's not possible! The rush of shock came with a powerful and icy wave of fear. Bloody hell, it's happening again. I'm hallucinating again, and I never even noticed. I thought I was past this. I really thought this was over. David had said something. Dale remembered the voice. But the words were gone as though the crashing water had drowned them out. But he had been there. He had smiled. He had spoken. Yeah, like Caroline and the fire alarm in the family room downstairs. It was just the same. But I couldn't have dreamed this. I never saw this picture before. Maybe there's a picture somewhere I saw early on without really noticing, and I've imagined the whole thing. That's far more likely. How on earth would David know or care who I was? But he always looked as real as anyone else. David. 
softly, very softly, heart still thumping, Dale put the picture back into place. David, who had fought with Jerry and loved Paul, and lived his wild life until he met Philip, and Philip, who had tamed Flynn and knew him better than anyone, who had been the anchor Flynn needed. Dale appreciated all the power in Flynn's personality. He had known plenty of powerful, dynamic men with the kind of force Flynn had, worked with them and understood them, and knew he had at least some of that himself. And a teenaged boy, hurt, angry and bitter, filled with all that power without purpose save for study. In some ways, he and Flynn were very alike. Despite himself, Dale swallowed on a rush of emotion. Admiration. Compassion. Because I know, oh God, I know, exactly what he felt like, and he was so young, and he overcame it. He put the whole force of himself behind something good and worthwhile. All that sense, all that strength. Dale paused to straighten the bedspread, returning it to its state of immaculacy, and he went to stand for a moment at one of the windows that looked out on three sides at the ranch. It was like a panorama over the landscape, the horses, the aspen woods, the corral, the distant tops. He shut the door softly behind him when he left. They were late gathering for dinner that evening. Flynn, apparently persuaded by Emmett and Paul together to take the heavy anti-inflammatory shot Emmett prescribed for a badly bruised arm and shoulder, had dozed much of the afternoon. Riley and Jasper came home, and Dale went out to help them put away the horses and shut the ranch down for the evening, while Jerry chopped vegetables and Paul put away his notebooks and cooked, which he seemed to enjoy doing as much as the rest of the family enjoyed eating the results. It was only as they were collecting in the kitchen, setting the table and waiting in turns for the bathroom to wash up, that a car was heard in the distance, and Jerry whooped and shoved past Riley to get to the door. Leave them alone, Paul said when Riley followed. They'll come in when they're good and ready. It was a good ten minutes before anyone came back up at the porch and Dale looked up to see Jerry with his arm around the waist of a fair and graying-haired man with a mustache, big feet, and wire-rimmed glasses. Jerry looked radiant, and the man didn't let him go to return Paul and Riley's hug, or to shake hands with Flynn and Jasper. He smiled at Dale, and Dale rose to shake hands across the table as Jerry pulled out a chair beside his. "'Ash, this is Dale. Obviously, as you know everyone else. When did you get in? Why didn't you tell me you were flying into Cheyenne?' "'Because you would have been there waiting since dawn,' Ash said mildly, shaking Dale's hand. Good to meet you, Dale. I'm one of the in-laws. There's a lot of us. Dale's the one who fixed the trouble at the bank. Jerry passed the plates down that Paul handed him without pausing for breath. He was amazing. He just waited in and straightened the whole thing out. For which you know we're incredibly grateful? Ash added. Dale gave him a rather embarrassed smile and went back to eating. Ash, who had started to eat his own meal, suddenly paused and gave Dale a rather closer look, but said nothing. Riley went down to check on the shires at the end of the meal, and Dale went with him. Jasper went to shut the dogs in the barn for the night, and Flynn, who had been rather quiet through the meal with the residual effects of the shot, made his apologies and went upstairs. Ash took Jerry aside on the porch and spoke to him for a while, and Paul, who was clearing the table, was surprised by Ash coming back into the kitchen, shutting the door and leaning his back against it, giving Paul a look of stunned shock. That's Dale Aden. Yes, Paul said, coming back for more plates. He's a sweetie, isn't he? Sweetie? Ash repeated, sounding dazed. That's Dale Aden, the Dale Aden. He looks so much younger in the flesh than he does in the photographs that I didn't really connect it until Jerry mentioned the bank and told me the surname. Dale Aden, ANZ's golden boy, the whiz kid that took Mirador Corps off the scrap heap and made them a multi-billion deal. I've read about that boy for years. The Wall Street Journal publishes columns on him by the yard. Have you got any idea of what he's worth? He made half of ANZ's reputation, and he sure as hell built a good part of their fortune, too. Deep breaths, Paul advised. 
Come and sit down, Ash, and I'll make you a cup of tea. I need one, Ash said, still shaking his head. If you have anything to do with the world of finance, this is like finding Elvis mucking out the staples. That man has a worldwide reputation of his own. I dread to think what it's cost Anzi to stop him being poached by a dozen other massive corporates in about four different countries. C&E would give half their stock and their eye teeth to have him batting on their team. I doubt any money would have done it, Paul said comfortably. Dale isn't the type. I think most of it is in personal loyalty to the people he liked at ANZ, in particular Jeremy Banks. You're kidding, Ash said blankly. Paul smiled. Wait until you've known Dale a few days. He loves the work. He's got no mercenary instincts at all. Ash accepted the mug Paul handed him, watching as Paul took the seat at the head of the half-cleared table. He's here as a client, of course. Paul sipped his own tea, taking a moment to think before he spoke. You know this is private information I wouldn't give you if you hadn't recognized him, so... I know your confidentiality rules, Ash interrupted. Philip made them pretty damn clear, and he had some big names in and around the place in his day. But you know Jerry's taken Dale as one of us, not a client at all? And from what he's told me... Dale came originally as a client, but yes, Jerry's quite right, Paul said calmly. Riley had him clocked within a few days, and Jerry just accepted him on sight. He is a brat, not exactly one of the obvious ones, but it's all there. It's still new to him, and he's on the reserve side, so he's been a bit floored by Jerry. Which Jerry's been stung by, yes, Ash agreed. Jerry said Dale told him he had a breakdown. Dale told him that? Paul said startled. Ash nodded. That must have been quite a confidence on Dale's part, then. Yes, Jerry's taken that as the reason why you four are so protective of him. Dale is a lovely boy. Paul said with feeling getting up. And he's a bit on the fragile side right now, so yes, we probably are. And that's all? Ash asked, watching him clear plates. Paul looked at him. Ash shrugged a little. Jerry sees you as family. He always has. We've been here when you've had clients before. Jerry's seen goodness knows how many of the family come and go since he lived here. I've never known him to feel excluded before. Excluded? Paul said in shock. This is Jerry's home. He'd never be excluded from anything here. That was probably the wrong word, Ash said gently. I don't know how to describe it, and I don't think Jerry does either. Maybe I misunderstood. He didn't say anything to me so much as I picked up hints. We very likely are protective of Dale, Paul said, filling the sink and quietening his voice a little. There are good reasons why, and I can't go into them. You know I can't. I can understand, too, that it's hard for Jerry to come here and feel we're not being completely open with him, especially when he's alone and under stress and missing you, but you can see why we can't yet. Yes, I see. Ash got up and came to help clear the table. A and Z certainly can't want anyone to know their golden boy's in trouble, or for their clients to start panicking. And it's not like they could have found anywhere more private than here. We don't actually give a damn about A and Z, Paul said, really quite shortly for Paul. Ash covered the smile on his mustache, picked up a tea towel, and kept any further comments to himself. Flynn was lying on his bed, his good arm behind his head, still fully dressed although a book was lying open on his chest and he was looking out of the window. Dale moved nearly soundlessly on the carpet, and he had to clear his throat before Flynn glanced over at him, and then stiffly sat up. Hey. How are you feeling? Dale said lightly. Flynn grimaced. Aching less and struggling to see straight. I never have been keen on Emmett's drugs. Getting a bit crowded for you downstairs. How exactly did you explain? Dale tried for several ways in and failed. Flynn, I think I'm going nuts again. Flynn, I've actually been nuts all along and no one's noticed. Flynn, I had another one. Flynn held out a hand to him, and Dale sat down where Flynn pulled him, leaning his elbows on his knees. I... I want to talk to you while the others aren't around. Flynn nodded slowly, waiting. Dale took another breath. 
I didn't realise until this afternoon. I, you know, you remember the hallucinations I was having, seeing the office here, in the family room, the smoke and the file on the desks. I remember, Flynn said quietly, watching him. Dale swallowed. I had another one. I've had a few and I didn't realise it was happening. I didn't try to cover it up. I really didn't. Okay. Flynn put a hand over his and Dale felt the strength of the grip, warm and orienting. What happened? That hunter I've been seeing? Up by where Jazz and I saw the cougar. I saw him twice up on the river and once down by the falls the other day. Dale took another breath, aware how truly ridiculous and overdramatic this sounded. I'm sorry, this is going to be... Just tell me, Flynn said quietly. Dale shut his eyes. I saw a photograph of David today. It's David I've been seeing. I'm sorry, I don't mean this to be upsetting to you. It isn't. I never knew David, and I can't think you'd do something so distressing to yourself if you had any control over it. Flynn said bluntly. You alone each time this happened? Yes. Dale searched his memory for details. The first time I was walking upstream while Jasper rested, we were resting the horses up on the tops. The second time I was upstream of Riley on the morning we came up to find you when you were guarding the mares from the cougar and the last time was when I was sitting by the falls. And no one else saw or realized? Flynn asked. You weren't talking to anyone while I arrived at the falls. No, no one else saw anything, Dale admitted. Flynn shook his head. Not what I meant. When you had that last hallucination here, Riley knew because you were talking to the people who weren't there, and I didn't quit when he spoke to you. You didn't break out of it if someone else was there. This scares the hell out of me, Dale confessed, dropping his head into his hands and rubbing at his temples. I thought I was long past this, and there was nothing weird about it. With the other two, at least I knew something odd was happening. I could see the office overlaid with the family room, things in the wrong place. Did you know it was David? Flynn asked. Not until I saw the photograph today. I've been telling you it was some hunter. That was all I could think he was doing out there. And how old was he when you saw him? Which photo is it? Is he like he is in the photo by the bed? No, Dale said slowly. Much younger. Maybe thirty, thirty-five? The photograph I saw was a very old one on some street. Cobbles. Halifax, Flynn said, recognizing the description. That one was taken before he ever came here. I must have seen it at some point and just invented, Dale said despairingly. Why isn't this going away? I'm not sure it is hallucination, Flynn said mildly. Dale looked blankly at him. Flynn squeezed the hand he was still holding. Dale, you were never unbalanced, even sick. You were exhausted, and your brain was trying to catch up on the sleep behind your back. That's all it was. You sleep well here. You have for several months. You get around nine hours of sleep a night, which is about twice what you managed before. You eat well. You're fit. You're most certainly not out of touch with reality. With at least one of us around the clock, we'd notice. So what is it? Dale said shortly. It's okay to go inventing people? There's several possible explanations, Flynn said calmly. One is that you've been through a good deal of emotional upheaval. We've done a lot to stir up and dig up emotions. Philip and David's presence is very strong here. They're important to us, which makes them important to you, and you're surrounded with the facts of them. That in itself might create pictures in your mind. Another is that you've never used your imagination very much. You're no longer permanently exhausted. Maybe it's taking you by surprise. Another is that it is actually David. Dale looked at him. Flynn rolled to his feet and gently towed Dale with him onto the landing, heading downstairs. Dale trailed him, becoming horribly aware that they were approaching a public room, where Ash and Jerry were both sitting, and Flynn was showing no sign of letting go of his hand, nor of understanding that the men just did not do this kind of thing in public. Riley looked up from his place on the hearthrug, face lighting up. Someone's feeling better? Much, thanks, Flynn said cheerfully, and Dale saw him catch Riley's eye, then looked directly across at Paul and Jasper. 
It was a split-second glance, and Dale hardly saw it, but Paul almost instantly got up from the couch. "'Ash, I don't know why we're keeping you down here, chattering when you were stuck on that plane all day. Come upstairs. Jerry can run you a bath. I'll bring you some towels.' Jerry grabbed the suggestion with enthusiasm. Ash was slightly more polite enthusiasm, and Paul led them both upstairs. Jasper quietly got up from the window seat where he had been sitting, shelved his book, and came across to sit on the hearthstone near them. Riley sat on the hearth rug, giving Dale a look of concern. What? I... Dale began despairingly, mostly to Flynn, who pulled him down on the couch beside him. It's okay. What is? Riley got up and Dale twisted at Flynn's grasp to get away from him, escaping to the window where he folded his arms and stood his ground by looking out at the pastures beyond. He heard Paul come downstairs, sounding perfectly comfortable. They're shut in the bathroom, and I doubt they'll want to come out inside an hour. Dale feels like he might have had another hallucinatory episode, Flynn said simply. Dale expected a shocked silence. With his back to the others, he heard Paul's anxious, Oh, honey, and Riley's, when, where was it? Dale, Flynn said gently, do you want to tell it? Want to try behaving like a man instead of a sulking kid, Den? Dale made himself turn around, although he kept his arms tightly folded across his chest. They were all four of them sitting, watching him, giving their full attention as they always did, and it was like being under a microscope. Dale felt his face start to turn a dull, dark red with pure humiliation. This was almost too awful to say aloud in front of Paul, who had actually known David. The man I've been taking is some kind of hunter. I saw a photograph of David today. It's David I've been seeing, dreaming up. Three times now. Paul, I'm sorry. Now was an even better time for shocked silence. Why am I not surprised? Paul said conversationally. Dale looked at him blankly. Paul gave him an easy and comforting shrug. Well, he was forever hanging around the river in the falls. He loved being there, and I can see perfectly well why he'd be interested in you. You seriously think it was him? Dale said hotly, shocked. Paul propped his chin on his hands, considering. Let me guess. Jeans. Riding boots. Shirt wide open at the neck so he could get really horrible sunburn. No hat. That could be anybody! Well, that was always David unless Philip wrestled a tie and jacket on him. Paul said candidly. No, people could not be this casual about someone going around the twist. It wasn't fair. Dale, we're not so surprised, Jasper said quietly from the hearthstone. Because I saw him once myself, and I never met David either. Philip recognized who I was describing and showed me a picture. So unless we're both mad, I guess it probably was David. Dale stared at him. Jasper looked back with his dark eyes calm, shrugging a little. Somewhere, Dale learned to read his angular body language. He was sincere, and in his quietness was a good deal of honesty. I'd been here a few weeks, and I was sleeping up in the top barn, watching the sheep. I came out to a ewe that was lambing about five o'clock one morning, first light, and David was walking across the pasture ahead of me towards the river. Shirt, no jacket, no hat. There was a hard frost that morning. No one else was out without a coat. He wanted you out of that barn, Paul said calmly. So did everyone else, but David didn't get the concept of patience. Jasper was obviously quite serious and Dale had always had Jasper pegged as probably the most sane of the bunch. Jazz is fixated about ancestors and spirit guides, and the great black mystic ant anyway, Riley said kindly to Dale. He's funny about that kind of thing, but he's not exactly nuts. Great black... Dale repeated blankly. It's a black bear, Jasper said resignedly to Dale. In the legend, but Riley thinks it's far more amusing if it's an ant. This is Indian ground. The ranch is on Shoshone territory, and they believe very strongly that the ancestors occupied the natural forces of a homeland. And David was always damn awkward about doing what was expected of him. Paul agreed. A steady sense of outrage was starting to overlay Dale's initial fear. 
People's sanity was not a laughing matter. This kind of flippancy was... Flynn leaned over the back of the couch and caught his wrist, towing him around the arm. Come here. You see, there was this ant in the legend, Riley was saying cheerfully. A magnificent black mystic ant who was in the territory of a starving tribe whose leader, a powerful warrior, was walking through the forest searching for game. This probably isn't the time, Rye, Paul said, seeing Dale's expression. And this great black mystic ant, Riley went on, unmoved, jumped out on the path and attacked this mighty warrior in the toe until the warrior had to climb a tree to escape. And just as he climbed up the tree, a huge boar charged the spot where the warrior had been. And the mystic black ant fought the boar and with one mighty blow killed it stone dead on the path. And then he carried it back to the tribe for the warrior. Hup, 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 like that. And it saved the tribe from starvation. So the ant became the mascot of the tribe. And when it died, it split up into parts and flew up into the sky and became a constellation. And every winter, the whole tribe dress up in ant skins and dance under the constellation, carrying ham sandwiches since it's a preservation order on the boars now. Dell grabbed up a cushion from the end of the couch. But the dancing is really hard, Riley went on, ducking, because they have to be so crouched down to get underneath the ant skins, and ouch! Dell whacked him again with the cushion, and Riley rolled over, shielding his head with his arms. It's kind of like a very low conga. That was too much. Dale, battering what he could reach of Riley's head and shoulders, started to laugh, and Flynn pulled him off Riley, confiscating the cushion and pulling Dale down into his lap. Enough with the ant. It's a bear, Jasper said, helping Riley up. And there are no ham sandwiches. Well, there's carrot sticks that are gluten intolerant, Riley said cheerfully, straightening his shirt. It's all right. Paul took the confiscated cushion from Flynn and whacked Riley himself, carefully not looking at Dale, who was not only laughing, but to Paul's eye had not yet fully realized where he was or what Flynn was doing. None of them had missed Dale's expression in the kitchen the other day when Flynn pulled Riley onto his knee. Enough with the carrot sticks, too. Watch your mouth around Jasper's legends. We're on tribal ground here. One day that's going to come back to bite you. I didn't think you were allowed to take the mickey out of anything tribal, Dale said, still choking. You're all insane, the whole lot of you. It's not that we're not taking you seriously, honey, Paul began, and Dale grabbed up another cushion to throw at Riley. He's telling me stories about bloody ants! It just isn't so much of a surprise. Flynn wrestled the cushion off Dale and folded his arms over him, pinning him where he was. Riley, sit down and quit. No free fights in here. Riley, who had grabbed up a cushion of his own, surrendered it to Jasper and perched on the arm of the sofa, grinning. No one ever told you about the train wreck ghosts? There are no train wreck ghosts, Paul said firmly. Riley nodded at Dale. There are, and Jasper's seen them too. He's... Whatever Jasper was, was muffled by Jasper putting a hand over Riley's mouth, pulling him down and stifling him. There's a difference between seeing hallucinated offices in broad daylight in the house, and seeing weird things in weird weather, which has happened around here, Jasper said over his shoulder. No one's doubting your sanity, Dale. I shouldn't worry too much about it. If you're crazy, then I am too, and I seem to have managed okay. Dale, trying to casually slide off Flynn's lap and keep his dignity, and not succeeding since Flynn's arms were folded over his chest and not moving, looked up at him. Jasper's face was easy to read if you knew him. No teasing, nothing but honesty which was as crazy as everything else about these four people. And yet Dale was aware of something as ridiculous as Riley and his aunt. I feel so damn safe here. I haven't heard anyone say, take the mickey since David died, Paul said with affection. I'm making tea, and not taking me upstairs. I dread to think what I'd disturb. I'm helping, Dale tried tactfully to detach Flynn's arm from over his chest, and Flynn held on, making Dale eventually flat out squirm to escape him, starting to laugh again. Okay, get off, get off! Flynn grinned, dropping a rough kiss on his cheek and let him go. Dale escaped into the kitchen, and Riley followed, doing what Flynn suspected was probably the Aunt Conga. Well, that's the first time I've ever seen him laugh like that, Jasper murmured from the hearth. 
Flynn nodded. First time he's actually come to me and told me when he's got a problem. I feel like digging out David's moonshine stash and celebrating. Jasper Grandin got up, stretching long arms over his head until his shoulders cracked. Shh. End of chapter 14